the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Life, real life, Zoe, the Zoe kind of life, the God kind of life starts with love because love is the foundation for everything. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And so we have to start with love. And so you can't experience the fullness of life without understanding something about love. I want to talk to you this weekend about experiencing the love of God. Experiencing God's love yourself so that it can flow through you to other people. Because if God is a source, we need to experience that love ourselves. Because here's the question for us to ponder for a moment. How does love enter our world? All of us say our world needs more love. I think we would agree, right? And so if we say the world needs our love, how is the world going to get more love? Is love some kind of ethereal, mystical thing that sort of exists out there in the universe and it sort of either is or isn't and it's sort of mystical thing that that is there or not? No, the Bible teaches us that love is a very real thing that comes through people. If you want more love in the world, you have to have more love in people that bring love into their world. You can't love unless love is in you. You can't give what you don't have. If I don't have love inside of me, then I have nothing to give to you. I might be nice to you, and I might try to love you, and I may be somewhat successful in being a a decent, nice person to you, but when we talk about the real kind of God love, I can't love you unless that love is inside of me. And so love starts on the inside of us so that it can flow out of us to other people. That's why we often say hurt people hurt people. Why? Because they're hurt on the inside. And so they spew hurt around. Angry people disseminate anger around them. And so it's true whatever is in you is going to affect the relationships around you. And so if we're going to bring love into our world, where does the love start? Where? In us. It has to be in us. And for love to, to, to get into you, we have to ask the question, how does love get into us? Okay, How do we become a repository, a recipient of love? How does love get in us? Here's the key. Love gets in you when God gets in you. The Bible says that God is love. And so when God gets in you, when God enters your life and enters your inner world and comes into your heart and life, then love enters your life and you're able now to love in a way that you could not love before. Why? Because love is living in you. God is living in you. And the Bible has a term for this that I want to talk about today that will help us to understand how God gets in us. Because we all want love to flow through us, but love can't flow through us until God is in us. So how does God get in us? And the biblical term for God getting in you is a simple term. You've heard it before. It's the word salvation. You might want to write it down, salvation. Salvation is what allows God to get inside of you. You need to be saved. We say, what do you mean saved? Saved from what? Saved from 
your, an absence of God in your life, saved from your sins, saved from anything that's keeping you from relationship with God. And so we need salvation because salvation is the way God enters you so that in you, he can flow through you to the people around you. So salvation is this inward transformation of your heart. I want to share with you for the next few moments, five elements of salvation, five things that you need to know about salvation to make sure that God is in you. And my question in beginning this message this afternoon is, is God in you? Is God inside of you so that his love can flow through you to the people around you? And salvation starts with an honest admission that we need God. You will never experience God in your life until you acknowledge that you need God. The psalmist in Psalm 121 made this declaration of his own life. In fact, he asked himself a question, and he answered his own question as he reflected upon his question. Notice his words in Psalm 121, beginning in verse number 1. He says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. He was looking up from where he was in Israel. He said, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where, where does my help come from? I need some help in my life. Where, where does my help come from? And then he answers his own question. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He was searching for help in his life. And then he came to the recognition. Oh, I know where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And so he discovered he had a need for something, and he discovered his need was connected to really the very thing he was searching for, a relationship with God. And so to experience salvation in your life, it starts with acknowledging, I need God. But there's a second stage and step towards salvation, getting God in your life. You have to honestly admit your spiritual condition. Although I need God... I realize I am actually far away from God. Before I meet Christ, I'm far away from God. I'm a sinner. I tend to do things my way instead of God's way. And so I've got this sin problem in me. And while I say I want a relationship with God, at the same time I end up disobeying God and doing all kinds of things in my life I know that are contrary to what God wants for my life. And so I begin to realize I'm a sinner. And so I really can't, where I'm at in my life, I've got a problem. My problem is I've got sin. And I can't relate to God because of these issues that are going on in me. I am the problem. And that's what a recognition of sin is. I'm the problem. I've got an issue in my life. Notice the, the writer of Romans, Paul, says, Romans 3, verse 10, he says, As the Scriptures agree, for it is written, There's no one who always does what is right. No, not even one. There's no one with true spiritual insight, and there's no one who seeks after God alone. All have deliberately wandered from God's ways. All have become depraved and unfit. Kindness has disappeared from them all, not even one is good. That describes all of us. We're not good by nature. We have a sinful nature, which puts us at odds with God. We might say we need him. We have something in our nature that puts us at odds with him. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. You were once dead because of your failures and sins, talking to all of us, all of us before Christ. You followed the ways of this present world and its spiritual ruler. This ruler continues to work in people who refuse to obey God. All of us, all of us once lived among these people and followed the desires of our corrupt nature. We did what our corrupt desires and thoughts wanted us to do. So because of our nature, it's our sinful nature, we deserve God's anger just like everyone else. So here we are. We want to get God in us, but we can't get God in us until we admit that we need him in our life. That's the starting point. And then once we admit that we need him, we have to also acknowledge I've got a problem in my life. The problem is me. I have something called sin that's in the way of my relationship with God. 
And then the third step of salvation is acknowledging, realizing, accepting the pathway of salvation that God has offered. Because here we are, I need God, I've got a problem in my relationship with God, but God says, I have the solution to your problem. Aren't you glad that God solved your sin problem, okay? So you could actually get him into your life. And he solved your sin problem with his son, Jesus Christ, okay? See, Jesus said, not I am a way, a truth, and a life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, the, if you study the English language, or any language for that matter, where it's translated, the, the is, a, is a definite article. It means that there's nothing, it's, a, it's specific. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not a way, a truth, a life. The Bible points us all the way from Genesis to Revelation to one way. It doesn't point us to many different ways. It points us to one way, and it all points us to Jesus as being the way to God, the way to salvation. Not many roads, only one road will get you there. See, there are certain destinations that only one road will get you there. When it comes to relationship with God, salvation is a one-way experience. There's only one way to God. That's through His Son, Jesus. Why? I'll I'll show you why. Because Jesus as the Son of Almighty God came down from heaven to earth, went to the cross of Calvary, and He said, I know you've got a problem. It's called sin, and I'm going to deal with that for you. You deserve to be punished for your sin, but I'm actually going to step in your place. I'm going to take your punishment for you so that you can be completely forgiven. And then once I've taken your punishment for you, then I, because I'm the Son of God, I will rise from the grave and conquer sin, death, and the grave so that you'll know that I am indeed the Son of God, and that's exactly what Jesus did, and He was the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, okay? So He became our substitute. He took our place, and now He brings us into relationship with God. So Jesus is your way to God. If you want to get to God, you go through Jesus. Jesus is your pathway to God. He is your He is the Savior of the world. That's why we call Him Savior. That's why we sing songs about our Savior. Why? Because He's the one that brings us salvation, Right? So you begin your journey with God. Take a look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Notice that word, it has begun. It hasn't ended, it has begun. And so when I accept Christ in my life, I'm saved, but that's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. And so I'm just learning. I'm a baby in Christ. I'm just learning new things. I'm a new person. So I've got to learn how to behave in this new family. I need to learn how to walk in my identity and who who Christ has made me to be as a new creation in Christ. And so I've begun my journey with him. It's not the end. It's the beginning. That's why you need to be a growing Christian. It's not just enough to say, oh, yeah, I accept Jesus. You need to now learn what that salvation is all about. Listen to Ezekiel chapter 36 love this passage. It describes something of what Jesus does for us. The prophet Ezekiel is speaking hundreds of years before Christ was born. He gives us this prophecy about Jesus and those who accept him into their life. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. See, when you got saved, when you accepted Christ, God put a new heart in you. You're a new person with a new heart, okay? And now this new heart that's inside of you is a heart that wants to please God. You want to do what's right now. You want to please God. That's why after you become a Christian, you can't live the way you used to live and be happy. 
when you're born again, you're made for love. You're born again to become a, love, a lover of people. Why? Because God is in you, okay? And then that leads to this fifth point I want you to see today. And that's as you're growing in this understanding of your salvation, you, part of that growing in the understanding of your salvation involves growing in an understanding of and an experience of the love of God in your own life. Because if you don't know God's love in your own life, you will never be able to give it to anyone else. And there are a lot of Christians, people who've been saved, that haven't grown in their understanding of God's love for them. And so because they don't have an understanding of God's love for them, part of their mind hasn't been renewed yet to understand the love God has for them. And if you don't, know, if you don't understand how much God loves you, how will you ever love anybody else? Remember what Jesus said when he was asked the question, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If I don't love me, I can't love you, right? If I don't have a love of my own nature, I can't really, I can't, if I'm not in love with who God has made me to be and understand his love, I can't really love you. And so I have to understand that love in my life. And so this is vital. I want to give you some verses. These are powerful verses that we're going to look at together about how much God loves us. This is incredible personal love that God has for you. First John four eighteen and 19. We need have no fear of someone who loves us. How? Perfectly. God loves you perfectly. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what he might do to us. If we're afraid, it's for fear of what he might do to us and shows that we're not fully convinced that he really loves us. So you see, our love for him comes as as a result of his loving us first. So he loves us first, and then we love him in return. 2 Timothy 1.7. For God will never give you the spirit of fear. Did you hear that? So if you got fear going on in your life, it did not come from God. God will not give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. So he says, God doesn't give you the spirit of fear, but he does give you the Holy Spirit living inside of you. who will give you mighty power and he will give you love and self-control. Romans 5, 5. And this hope, the hope we have in Christ is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless, I love this phrase, listen closely to it as Paul describes it as the Passion Translation renders it for us. We can now experience, how many know what an experience is? Experience is not a concept. See, I can, I can read in a book about a beautiful place in the world, and I can conceptually tell you about this place. I can tell you where it's located on the map. I can tell you its, it's longitude, latitude. I can tell you everything about it. I've read all the history of that area, but I haven't experienced it, okay? So experience is when you go there, okay? So we can now experience the endless love of God. Notice what kind of love is it? Endless love of God. Oh my goodness, I love this. Cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. If you've gone to Niagara Falls, what an amazing thing to see. This the water that cascades over that. It just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. It never stops. And God says, I have an endless love toward you. It cascades over you over every morning. It's new every morning. You cannot exhaust the love of God. It is no way to exhaust. It cascades endlessly over your life. Okay, It's incredible to understand. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. Listen to this prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesian believers, and it's a prayer for us as well. Paul says, so I kneel humbly in awe before the Father, our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray, here's a prayer for you today, let this sink into your heart. I pray that he, God, 
would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Notice the resting place of his love. Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and how inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you, into you, until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Don't you love that? That's the description of God's love in your life. It's the flow of God's love and an understanding that I, I've got to understand this love of God for me because if I don't get this in my own life, I'll never be able to give it to people around me. It starts with you. Love starts on the inside of you. God gets in you, and the understanding of God's love for you enables you to love other people. So let me walk you through some final things we're going to talk about today very quickly. I'm going to give you five declarations that you need to make, I think, every day of your life. Start every day. Start every day with this declaration. Write it down. I am unconditionally loved by God. I am unconditionally loved by God. That's what the endless love of God flowing into your life should make you each day realize, I am unconditionally loved by God. The key word there is unconditionally. This means basically this. There's not a single thing you can do that will ever cause God to stop loving you. My goodness. There's not anything you can do that will cause God to stop loving you. There's nothing you can do that will cause God to love you more. Okay? He loves you perfectly right now. You're unconditionally, perfectly loved by God. He wants you to experience the reality every day. So each morning when your two little feet hit the floor out of your bed, I want you to lift your head and say, I am unconditionally loved by God. When you look at your ugly face in the mirror every morning, okay, I want you to say, I am unconditionally loved by God. Amen, okay? Amen, okay? I'm unconditionally loved by God. The second thing. Declare every day, I am graciously forgiven by God. See, the beautiful thing about God, God doesn't hold your past against you. God says, look, look, when you came to me in salvation, I forgave you, okay, gave you a new start. And when you make a mistake and you come to me now and you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive. You don't need to live in the guilt of all that anymore. That's what love does. Love forgives, right? If you have love in a relationship, what do you do? When somebody messes up, what do you do? You forgive. Love forgives, so God forgives. God cannot not forgive when we confess our sins and open our lives to Him because He's, a forg- He's love, and so love forgives. And so I want you to say with me, I am graciously forgiven by God. All of us together. I am graciously forgiven by God. Now, isn't that a wonderful feeling? It's real. It's true. You have to reprogram your mind, renew your mind. I am graciously forgiven by God. Now, that doesn't excuse bad behavior. If you're doing bad things, get it right with God. But know that once you get it right with God, it helps you to get back on track and you can experience His forgiveness. So let's put those two together. I am unconditionally loved by God and I am graciously forgiven by God. Number three, the third one, I can and will completely trust God. I can and will completely trust God. 
see if I can explain this to you this way. Love and trust are intertwined. You can't pull them apart, okay? If you take love out of a relationship, trust goes away, right? Correct? Okay. And if you take trust out of a relationship, if I don't trust you anymore, then I can't express real love to you. So both of these are working together. So love and trust are intertwined. They work. Love is sort of a sub, uh, excuse me, trust is sort of a subset, a subdimension, if you will, we might say of what love is, okay? And so if I know that I... If I know that you really love me perfectly, unconditionally, I can trust you, right? When you and I know that God loves us completely and unconditionally and perfectly, then it naturally comes to us to say, I'm going to trust God, okay? The word trust in all, both Hebrew and Greek language, it means basically to rely upon. Is that just to throw all of your weight over on. It's the idea, okay? Just take all your weight and whatever you got on your back, whatever you got in your heart, whatever you're worried about, whatever's concerning you, you just throw it all over on God, okay? I trust God. And so because God loves me, I can now and I will trust Him. Number four, I can and will joyously obey God's Word. Every day I wake up and say, I am unconditionally loved by God. I am graciously forgiven by God. I can and will completely trust God, and I can and will joyously obey God's Word. Let me cover this very quickly. We'll get to our last point here and be done today. To obey someone is to do what they tell you to do, right? That's all it means, okay? Do what they tell you to do, okay? And what helps people to do what they're told to do is when they believe that the person telling them is either smarter than they are, wiser than they are, and hopefully loves them, right? Okay. Why do kids obey their parents? Because their parents are supposedly wiser than the kids are, have lived longer, and they also love them, right? And so I want you to do this or not do that because I'm your parent. I'm telling you this because I love you, right? And so I'm giving you instructions based upon my love for you. And so my law is based upon my love, Right? I'm not just giving you a set of laws because I don't like you and I'm going to make your life miserable. No. No, law is based upon love. And so when God gives us a set of laws, it's not because he's angry with us and wants to make our life miserable. When he says, thou shalt not, thou shalt, and tells us what to do and how to live our lives, it's not because he's trying to be some dictator over our lives and make our lives miserable. It's because he knows what's best for us as our father. And he says, I love you. I'm just going to give you the rules of living so your life will be better. That's all it is, okay? And so when we understand that the laws of God, the commands of God are based in the love of God, then it's much easier to obey him. Like, okay, I'll do that because I know that's what really best for me, right? Okay, So it makes obedience a lot easier. It's not just someone hammering at you at what you need to do. Anything God asks you to do is because He loves you, right? You just live this way. It's because I love you. I want you to live this way. Here's your final one. I can and will dispense God's love to others because I am connected to God, the source of love. So I bring all this to this conclusion. It doesn't, love doesn't stop with me even though I'm secure now in the love of God now that I am secured in his love, I have something to give other people. I now become a dispenser of God's love. Read it with me. Declare it together. I can and will dispense God's love to others because I am connected to God, the source of love. When you're filled with God's love, you have love to give to other people around you. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. Freely you have received, freely what? Give. I want to live that way. How about you? I want to live that way. Freely I've received this love, this incredible love that cascades over and over into my life. Endless, 
love of God that cascades into my life, why would I want it to stop with me? Now that it's flowing into my life, I have something to give other people. I want to be a dispenser of God's love to others. See, the greatest calling, I talked about it last week, the greatest calling of your life, the greatest calling of your life is to be a communicator of God's love to other people. Nothing greater than that. Nothing you'll ever do will be more important than communicating the love of God to other people. Why? Because what the world needs is what the world needs is love. To have love, yes, they have God, of course. But the way they connect to God is they connect to love, which points them to God. And we are the people that have been called into the world to be dispensers of his love to the world so that they can know the same God that we know who loves us and they can experience his love in their life. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.